Hello and welcome to Talking Dad UK, a podcast where we discuss all things dad. Follow and support the podcast on social media at Talking Dad UK One. All links will be in the show notes and descriptions. Hope you enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. Hello, Matty. You okay? Yeah, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. You know, we've been getting on. Good. A um, bit hectic at the moment. Loads of job stuff at the moment. It's been a been a little while since we've seen and spoke, hasn't it? Yeah, COVID kind of ruined football, didn't it? Didn't well, last night. time I saw you, I got injured at football. And uh, I've, only, I've not been back since. And I've only just spoke to the lads um, last night and and touch base with them because I might go back. I'm thinking about going back and giving it another go. Yeah, not I need that, to give it another go. Not that it's taken me this long to get over my ankle, but um, I was just doing other things and I thought probably best not risk it going back and injure myself again and yeah. have more time off. Yeah, that was the last time we saw each other. That must be about two and a half years ago or something like that. Yeah, and I was a big lad then because of what I'm no football, football, lot more. So I need yeah. to start football again. <laughs> we made contact a few months ago. Well, quite a few months ago now, because um, yeah, you were you and your um, wife, girlfriend. What's your status? Girlfriend. 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 You were expecting yeah. a second, weren't you? Just around the same time as we uh-huh. were. And uh, I yeah. think you, I think yours was a couple of weeks ahead of mine. And uh, we, I, I was making contact with you then because I thought we could have had a chat at that point. But obviously, things happened and life got in the way and, and we've been busy ever since. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a hectic 10 months. Yeah. So how is uh, how's family life and how's it treating you? And who's who's involved in your family then? So I don't think I've told you, but um, my six-year-old Finn, he's going through some tests for autism at the moment, trying to find the genetic testing. Okay. Um, He's quiet, as you imagine, just sits on his iPad in the corner. Never hear anything out of him. Um, okay. Rory is, is the devil child. <laughs> I'm fairly certain we should have called him Damien. He's a... Yeah, I've never had a crawler before. Um, hence why the wires behind me are showing because we're about to be moving around and hanging off the shelves and, yeah, just trying to get out of his reach. So he's on the move now? Yeah, very much so. Is it what is it about nine uh, months? Ten months. Ten uh, months. Twenty of March he was born. Yours is April one. Yeah, be about mo- a month after then. I was twenty second of uh, April, so uh, he's crawling as well. So he's on the move. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? I know. Um, but then our Did first, our first five year old was um, he was quite early as well, getting around, and he was quite early walking. So I think by ten months he was walking. So, and the other one's cruising around all the furniture and pulling himself up on the sofa and everything else. So he's not far off, I don't think. But yeah, we've been used to it. (laughs) Yeah, I've not. He um, Finn never really did anything until he was about twelve months old, and that was just sitting up. Yes. And he was a bum shuffler, so ah right. And he didn't really do that. So having um, Rory's been a completely life changing thing. We said if he was first, he would have been last. Yeah. I think I would have cut him off myself, to be honest. Uh, I've I've made that joke so, in the past, and people laugh and think I'm joking, but I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I've put mine, I don't know if you want to hear it on your podcast, but I've, I've put mine in, but there's such a waiting list. I'm just like, 
I might just do it myself. I got oh, another one of them. Is there really? The waiting list? Yeah. Because of COVID. Because yeah, yeah. Me and my uh, one of my other friends, we we we've talked about it and joked about it, but never really sort of said it was serious. But I think he said that he would he would go for it, whereas. I say I say I would, but I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could actually go through with it. But I'm a bit, I'm, I'm definitely tipping on the side of definitely not having any more kids rather than uh, being undecided. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'm on my way to make yeah. my mind up. <laughs> Two kids is three too many for me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't want any. It's, it's they've all, they've both been like they just turned up. Okay, I know where. I can't. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I can't. The third time's not happening. Yeah, yeah. So, what, did you um, did you find it difficult then adapting to fatherhood first time round or even second time round? Yeah, I did. I definitely got a bit of PMD. Right. I couldn't. Um, as soon as he came out, it was such a horrific birth. I walked out. Uh, and I still regret walking out. Like I just left. Yeah. cried outside right when really i should have really stayed in um but jade's really understanding about it because I, it just wasn't something i was ever thinking i'd ever see and right because it was so bad Um, he was nine pounds 13 and there was blood everywhere and stitching and it just it was too much to me i just needed to get out yeah and it took me a long time to adapt what happened after that then? Did you carry on struggling with it or did were you able to see or speak yeah. to anybody about it? No, I, I kind of like kept it to myself. Um, I realised that Jay needed as much help as me because it's the first child we both were thinking but I just kept it to myself. Yeah. It's kind of, I think that was a mistake. I think you should definitely go and talk to someone about it. Um, but I kind of came up the good end of it and my my children ask for me all the time, so I must be doing something right. Yeah. So. So do you feel like it was something that you sort of almost naturally got over and and kind of got on with things, or was it? You... Yeah, I think it would have been a lot different. So, um, my mum and dad had me when they were sixteen, and my dad just left. So we only left me when was a single mum. Um, it's something I've never been able to get over. So, I think that helps more. So even though he's a bit of a, yeah, cheers Ian. Um, it was a, it was him doing that made it more. I needed to be a better step up and okay, kind of be a better role model for them. And if that makes sense, it's it was hard to adapt, but I had to adapt because I know what it was like to be on the other end when you don't. So you use it as a bit of motivation and, and fuel to, to yeah. make sure that it, that doesn't happen. Absolutely. doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done for doing that. That was a good thing. Well, well done to you as well. You've, you've, you've got two kids and even though you've got somewhere to hide by the looks of it, you're still doing all right. <laughs> well, you say somewhere to hide, but I have to borrow it because it's my wife's shed. <laughs> really? Yeah, she That's does um, arts and crafts in here. But because of having... The little one that kind of wants her all the time for feeding and and it being a bit cold in the winter she's not been using it as much so i've been sneaking out of here and um that's why i can come on a little bit earlier about seven ish because the kids are just starting to get ready for bed whereas if i was in the house i'd have to wait until about eight o'clock till the kids were going to bed or, or definitely yeah. in bed so 
I'm getting away with it down here, but in the summer I might not be allowed. <laughs> no. So were you looking after the kids and maybe in there doing arts and crafts? Yeah. yeah, probably. Um was it the same then for your second one or did you sort of find it a bit easier? No, I kind of I kind of learned and he was surprisingly a really weird birth because it was straightforward, even though he was a big baby. He didn't cry. Really? Like he just thought he there's pictures of him on on, on um Jade and he's just like relaxed. Just chilled out yeah. and on the um that little bed with the lamp. Right. He was on that, and he was just chilled out. I was like, this is amazing. Why wasn't the first one like this? <laughs> so I was around, and I, I, I kind of learned from the mistakes from the first one. Yeah. And decided that I was going to, yeah. So I was like, go on, one last push. And I wasn't like that the first time. I like as much out as much as possible. Yeah, well, I think everybody realises that from the first one. And even like having your first kid, you sort of make all your mistakes and the bits that you think, oh, I need to do that better. And then the second time around, you get a chance to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's basically what I did. Kind of learned from the mistakes I made from that one. And yeah, um, I would have thought he'd be paying me back a bit better, but no. He's uh, <laughs> slapping me across the face, biting me, trying to break the glasses. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, yeah. He's going to be a bit of hard work, I think. Mine likes to pull my beard, but he really gets yeah. a good grip of it and it's hard to get him off it. <laughs> I can't have mine long again now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he likes stroking it, but I couldn't have it long just in case. Dropping Mine's it. just like a long stubble now, and I don't know what to risk him pulling on it. He's um, got a thing for my tattoos. He doesn't understand them, so he tries to pinch them off my skin. Yeah, yeah. Does yours do that as well? Yeah, he used to, used to try and scratch it off to see what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He pinches it. Really small pinches. <laughs> like, man, you just have to peel it off. And yeah. Like, you got to leave them to it so he doesn't understand what they are, but yeah. Anything to it, yeah. Well, that's it, yeah. Have you had any uh, any sort of big surprises then go, moving on into sort of as they go and getting older a bit? Anything you thought, oh, I wasn't expecting this? Um, Finn's been an eye-opener. This autism stuff. Because he's such a... I don't really know what the word is to use because you can't really use words like strange. You know? But it's different. It's not like a textbook autism. He's, right. he's not aware. He will run in the middle of the road and he wants, he doesn't have any stranger danger. Okay. Um, even his speaking, his speaking's getting better now, but he didn't speak for a very long time. Right. But the neuro stuff with an autistic child's there, so he can, he's really good with numbers and he's really good with writing and memorizing things, but they, they can't put it down as autism at the moment because his behavior is so different. They're doing like genetic testing for him, right? Okay, so we're basically going through. He's been put to sleep for MRIs and blood tests, and because they can't picture what it was, what it is. And we had an email the other day off the pediatrician who said it's bad behavior, but we know it's not bad behavior. And I think it was a bit unprofessional him to send that email. But Jade's great with it, he's constantly researching things. And I'm the type of person who just I don't want to know about any other, right. Ill, any other illness because I don't want to think, oh, maybe it's that. I'd rather find out what it is, then research that, okay. then figure out what to do with it. So that's been a real eye opener because he's not been able to go to um, around children as much because the children have outgrown him. Okay. Well, he's also he's also a really big kid. 
Yeah. He's in like 10 to 11 school jumpers. Right. That picture of um, Lukaku when he's 12 in that football team. He's like that. <laughs> well, maybe that's his, maybe so that's really his future. He'd be a rugby player or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he's, um, yeah. He can't even walk stairs properly, so I doubt it. He's really hypermobile. Yeah. So he's so that's going to be a eyes opener because he's not textbook. Mm. You're learning day after day of what's going on. You can't really picture it like so. You go, oh, he's going for a leap. When he comes out of this leap, he'll be able to do this. Yeah. He never did that. Right. But with Rory, Rory's quick and he's hitting the leaps and he's he's ahead. So comparing yeah. the two has been really different. It's tough as well when they when they sort of. So it can be very quick to try and pin it on behavior because that's something yeah. that something in an ideal world that you would be able to sort of manage and deal with given the right you know research help support whatever you needed to do to find out how to tackle that behavior but when you yourself know as a parent that it's not behavior and it's something different that's the frustrating bit isn't it yeah because it's different when it's your child like you can sit on the outside and go Oh, he's just a naughty kid. He's a lot of shit. But you can't really do that. You, you, you don't know what it's like behind closed doors. You don't yeah. know. You don't see him run around. And then because he's had mobile, his feet buckle from underneath him. Or um, he has meltdowns because he's trying to get him dressed. And has those moments. Or he's deep pressure seeking. So he's grabbing your, your finger and shoving it into his chin because he wants that pressure. He's yeah. pressure seeking. Or sleeps with a weighted blanket because he can't. A normal blanket doesn't give him that comfort. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's it's very different. I read I read parenting books before. I don't know if you did, but like Commando Dad. And right. I did. Like I that. didn't. Did you not? You went I, straight into it. I did. Yeah. I probably should have done. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. It's all natural. I think it's natural anyway. Well, Jade, what you mean to read those books? So I did. And then nothing of it in them books have come to fruition with Shin. Yeah. So it's been hard. He, he's just two or three years behind. It's it's different. It's longer. It's Them leaps don't count to anything. So have you got support in place to help you through the sort of assessment process for him? Or is it just you via the hospital, the medical, the, the health teams or GPs and we stuff. We're on our own. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember at school but I moved to Devon. Yeah. Um, last couple of years, hence the top. Um they um so my mum still lives down there. Right. And my nan in Wales, so they say it make, takes a village to raise a child and it's been me me and Jay versus the world pretty much. Yeah. So it's always been just us. Being at uni has really helped because I've had more time right. to be enrolled. But there isn't anything really in place. It's just been us in the hospital. Yeah. Us in the paperwork. But they're doing what um, they should be doing. Yeah. Bit of a waiting game, I suppose, for certain things, isn't it? But, you know. Yeah. At least he's but being... It's always us. It's, it's us at the hospital. It's us chasing it's us putting in um disability for to get his badge or get a financial help it's, it's always us there's not really anyone else yeah which so it, it's hard 
yeah keeps you busy well, and takes its toll i suppose when you when you no time for rest is the especially as well with the young yeah. man exactly so it, it's um yeah we're coming at the end of it now um the things we can we get and the help we get the the deadlines get longer so okay. they're not due now until he's like 12. so then that paperwork doesn't have to be done again right it's just literally now trying to find him a, a special needs school and because he hasn't adapted very well to school life i was going to say is he in school he is. He's been to two schools, and the first school weren't very nice to him. They didn't really understand him. Right. So he tried to keep him, treat him as an example. So we pulled him out pretty quickly. I think November we pulled him out. Yeah. He went in September. Uh, I won't mention the school, obviously, but there was times when he was getting picked up and he soiled himself, and they left him. And right. And, they were, and he was saying stuff here. Like get in the corner, you naughty boy, and stuff like that. Because they were using him as an example for the other kids who didn't understand why he was acting the way he was. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's not great, is it? So, no. So Jade Holmes called him, and then he went to a new school called Ravensby, which is around the corner, and they're really good. Okay. He gets one to one with them. He has one with them all the time. That's good. So it's miles better. But even them, they they say make noise so much. Yeah. In special school time. So will he get a, an EHCP and stuff BSS for that? That's that's what they're doing now. Yeah. Um. So they're saying they can't give him an EHCP, but they're giving him the funding until it's sorted. So he's yeah. able to get that one to one, um, that one to one person. But the EHCP is not in place. So how long that lasts for, we don't know. It's basically mm. we've got to find a diagnosis, but it's genetic. We're going to have to go through all these tests and put him to sleep, get more bloods, more MRIs, and yeah. It's a long winded process. Yeah. So, what did, where did they think it's come from then? Have they told you? I think it, it's genetic. Right. So, one of us is carrying it, and then right. he's got it. Okay. Um, he's either got some weak chromosomes, or there might be some um, neuro stuff going on because when they did the MRI, they found fluid on the brain and a cyst. Right. But they don't know if that's causing any problems. But there's times when he's regressed. And my personal opinion is the cyst is causing them problems. Right, yeah. But I'm not a neurosurgeon, so I can't really say so. At the moment, we're asking for a neurosurgeon to look at him. But I think they have something to do with that. And we'll probably find out in, in time that that cyst is causing a lot of his issues. Does they, have they said whether that's something they're going to do anything about, or is it? They said they're going to leave it, but we've asked for a second opinion with a neurosurgeon now. Whether they give us that is up to them, but we've asked for it. We're still really early in the stage, even though it's been a few years, we're still really early in yeah. trying to find out what it is. Well, hopefully. It leaves him. Yeah, I hope so. But it just leaves him. Um, lost, it leaves him without without anywhere. There's nowhere to really put him with anyone else. Yeah, hopefully they, you, you're on the right path to getting it sorted, but it might take a while. Yeah. Have you got anywhere around you that 
support for autism and stuff. I know there's a place in Crew um, autism in, autism inclusive, but I don't know. You're overstoked way, aren't you? The, the problem is with that is when you've got typical autistic children. Yeah, they they don't like being touched. They don't like. I know there's different areas on the spectrum, but Finn's so overly touchy. Right. He'll disrupt everyone else who yeah. has the yeah. typical autistic symptoms and signs. Yeah. It couldn't cope with him this way. He's left on his own because he needs to find like-minded right. children like him. Yeah. But we don't know what he's got. Yeah. They may. They might. I know the one in crew does a lot of stuff for parents and guardians as well that you know offer support and coffee mornings and just go and talk about you, what you what you're experiencing type of thing so if you felt like it's something you needed then if there's a place there it might be worth a phone call but you know might, oh, he might not be a place in Stoke. pardon there'll definitely be a place in Stoke. yeah but just... that sort of stuff is what jay does yeah. so it's yeah. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah just as an option if it was as i know there's a place that does it over this way um and it offers stuff for parents as well as as groups and stuff for the kids so it's an option isn't it if you ever felt like it was something you needed to look into because it was becoming a bit too much and stuff yeah it's good because there's um jason's speaking to another mom down the road and her partner works away a lot as well in other countries um and he's got the typical autism, so he doesn't like wearing socks. He can't have to feel. He's he doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. Yeah. Um. So it's weird to see the two, even though they're under the same barrier, they're not the same. Yeah. And that, that's that's the issue that comes along with it, isn't it? For a lot, it's like yeah. it gets a label of autism, but there's so much more that goes along with it for individuals it's it's hard to just sort of give you that tagline and leave you with it because you know everyone's different as well as it being a massive spectrum of, of different things to deal with isn't it exactly yeah it does so how's the younger one settling is he at nursery or or is he at home with mum and he's at home with mum um so she is busy <laughs> Yeah, my hours um, are really good. I get to spend a lot of time with him at the moment. Um, but yeah, he's at home. Um, we have spoke to a nursery where Finn went um, called Little Potters in Stoke. Very, very good nursery. Um, and they're happy to have him. And the conversation ends with, he's your problem. Then. <laughs> yeah. he, he's so, he, he will put them, they will be, they will struggle with them. And, very sure of it. Um, he's going there in September by the looks of it because my partner's going to start university itself. Okay. He's going to do a couple of days um, a week to get a marketing qualification because she does all that stuff already. But if she gets the qualification, she'll get more. Yeah. More work, more. So she's going to start doing that. And because she's stuck behind me, I'll be, I'll be finished in about seven years. Like I've, when I've been, start to finish seven years at uni wow. so her going to uni is only fair really yeah so apart from Staffish university so he will be going there at the moment he's at home 
Um, Jay's going to try a play group with him in the week, next week. Um, I think he'll, I think he'll scare the life out of the other kids and not hide the score, to be honest. There's, a, there's always somebody, there's always going to be someone very similar or, or worse even, so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so my hair's always been bad. Right. So since he's been born, my hair has got a lot thinner. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't think it's genes, I think it's stress. I'm pretty could, sure that kid's going to be on a Could be. Could be. I try to avoid stress because I don't want to lose my hair too soon or go grey even. And I've got a couple of friends our age that are going grey and I'm like, well, I want to avoid that. Somebody said to me oh, yeah. the other day, uh, the other week, sorry, um, do you dye your hair? And I was quite offended by that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm only 30, why would I dye my hair? Mine's not going grey, but mine's definitely going. Yeah. Mine's, mine's on its way out. I mean, I've always had a massive forehead, but <laughs> it's going further back. I probably should um, apologise just in case I've offended anybody who's lost their hair prematurely or, or gun grey. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's listening at school, I can I could I could name a couple. I won't, but I could definitely name a couple who it's about time you started shaving lads. <laughs> so when did you start going back to uni and, and you made a bit of a career change, didn't you? What are you studying? Um so I am a sports therapist at the moment. Okay. Um, so I'm doing a master's in sport in football rehabilitation, and then I'm going to be doing a physiotherapy master's. Yeah. Um, I wish I did that first. Yeah. Sports therapy is a bit of a con. Oh, is it really? Um, because you need to be HCPC registered to get the best jobs in football. Um, they won't acknowledge sports therapists. All right. So you're kind of stuck. So I've got to go back to uni now for two or three years to get that accreditation, to get the first team jobs, to get the higher level jobs. Because at the moment, part-time for Alex is probably the highest I'll end up going in the men's game until I've got that accreditation. Yeah. It's kind of stopped. But I was in sales and it was, I was doing sales from, I went to Domino's for about five years. When I came back from Devon, I kind of came up by myself and, being a northern lad, I just wanted to come back home. Um, you, you came back from Devon to, to Cheshire and Crewe? I did. Is um, it much better up here? It's it's different, the cultural divide. So, so south and north divide is, is a true thing. You're right, okay. <laughs> and being young and... I, I kind of found like, I went to a lot of schools, I went to St. Thomas More and I felt like I was getting bullied and I came to Cottonall and the first year was was pretty bad but after that I kind of started to blend in and then getting pulled out of that thrown into a, a school where no one really knows any northern kids and you're different yeah. it was a lot it was a hard to take in yeah so yeah. me coming up here reconnecting with a lot of people and kind of carrying on where I left it was kind of help the situation and I, I needed that yeah and being up here is right as much as I like going down there watching games of Plymouth and Tuesday I'll be there watching Plymouth by my employers and I'll be sharing it <laughs> 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 yeah that was a bit of a sanctuary for me I, I go in there on a Saturday watching them 
was kind of my escape from being so different in such a a place which is used to used to us, but we're not used to them because we all go on holiday down there. Yeah. But living there is a completely different situation. So I definitely prefer being northern. I don't think I'd ever want to be southern. <laughs> Sorry, lads. Yeah, apologies to any southerners that listen to this podcast. We might have just lost some listeners. <laughs> I've had some guests on that are from down south as well. They've been nice people. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, they are nice people. I'll never, I'll never in the state that they're not nice people. And I do apologize to you podcast people. I have no filter. If you know that, I, no, I have that... no filter. I'll say whatever. Um, but living down there is completely different than spending a week down there in Dawes to holiday. Yeah. And it just yeah. it just isn't for someone like me who's a northern lad. Being up here is a lot better for me. Being close to places like Manchester and Liverpool and Yeah. When Plymouth hasn't even got a motorway. Right. And I suppose to some, I spoke to some players who play for Plymouth and I said, Why have you left? And you said it's location. Oh right. You said there's no and then once Exeter's airport closed, they were kind of stuck. The six hours away from um, being close to somewhere, the where the families are. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? So a lad who played, who went Plymouth, who was at Plymouth, went to Crew. I got a chance to speak to him before he's moved recently, and he said his missus was pregnant, and because it was those down there, just those two, he needed to come back up here, and he ended up getting his move. More close to where he's from, right? And it's just, and that's the reason why they don't really do anything because it's the location. Yeah, and a lot of the better players are northern. Don't always think of it that way, but kind of makes sense. Yeah, you no, know, the kind of hard to reach, the far there. out places. Yeah, you know, it might the, be the money's there. Yeah. It's just the money's not the most important thing sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Especially the lads who came from Berry with Brian Lowe. Hmm. Brian Lowe didn't want to go down there in the first place. It's just because Berry went under. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just the way things are. It's location. So you you go, you go from you're in your sales jobs, and then you think. Yeah. At what point do you think ah, I'm going to start going back to uni? So basically, and... I went. I worked in sales. I worked at a big employer and crew who sell stuff and I did a really good job but it was always so you've hit that target you can do more right you can do more you can do more you can do more and the reason why they've got such a high over turn of heads is because they burn people out and it just messed with my head and I was depressed and I hated going there working half a till five and it was just it was even though I was earning every money the money started going down because they were making targets higher because you hit those targets in the first place. Um, you'll end up hit, you'll hit higher, right? If we tell you to. So I was there for just less than a year. Um, I fell into a job selling insurance in a place in Stoke. I did well there, and then as another place, but it's just like, well, we'll just try and do whatever we can to not that commission. Um, so I moved again, and I tried tried in car sales, and that was when the big kicker was for me because I was good at sales, and then the environment in car sales was horrendous. And I was coming home and 
Finn had just been born and I was working around the corner. So I didn't have time to like settle down. So I was coming home and I was going for about a week for rum a week, um, trying to settle it down. And I'm not a heavy drinker really, apart yeah. from that time yeah. then. And I just turned around and just said, I need to find another um, career path. And I didn't know that uni was so accessible to people who didn't do well at school because I was Devon I went to Devon at the end of year 10. Yeah. I actually had to go with half our GCSEs and just do whatever I could in year 11. So she's on about foundation degrees and how we'd be able to cope with having a child. And it just it just made sense. So I went to uni and the first choice was history. So I've always had like this fascination with World War Two. And I know that sounds a bit thingy, but I've always I know more facts about World War Two than I do about my job now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like there's no money in that. So what do you want to do next? And then there was the issue of my knee. When I was younger, and I was like, well, my rehab wasn't great. So maybe I want to work in that yeah. and try and make a difference. So that's what I did. I, I went into, um, I wanted to do physio. Spoke to um, the course leader at Staffs and he said, I get better jobs at doing sports therapy. Right. And I jumped onto that. So that's where it all came about. Um, and I kind of threw myself in it. So I was doing more stuff within outside of uni during uni which led to me doing the stuff I did after uni so working at Leek working with Neil Baker working in Sweden yeah and then coming back and then getting the opportunity to work with other football clubs ex-professionals and Alex with their academy yeah which working for your hometown club when you know so many friends are fans. That's a good thing. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. How easy or how difficult was it to go from having a job and earning a salary and being, you know, relatively settled to then I'm going back to uni and I've got to kind of give up that safety net, if you'd like to say. So is a Martin Lewis thing for your listeners yeah go on <laughs> when you've got a kid when you've got a kid and you know what to play for uni is not as half skint as what you think it is right okay when you play with the child dependence grants and stuff like that it really bumps up salary. So if you're doing a part-time job which brings in six or seven grand a year yeah you're still getting quite a fruitful amount of money so okay i was getting double of what you normally expect a student to get when they were getting a student finance. Okay. Because of having a child. And anyone who feels like they can't go uni when they've got a child or they've got a family to support, if you know what you're doing, you'll definitely be able to do uni and make a better life for yourself afterwards. So it's not as difficult as people might think? No, it's not. Especially when I you've thought got... it was difficult. Yeah. I thought it was difficult. I didn't think I was, but then when, because Jay knows all the stuff, she works with Princess Trust, and she works alongside people who were looking at building careers, building businesses, going to uni, and um, she knew all the stuff. 
So if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have known I could ever have gone easy. Yeah, that's interesting for people to know, though, isn't it? Because I've done it before when I've been looking to get out of a job and I've thought, and physio was one of them things. I've always had a thought of, I thought maybe I could give that a go, you know. If I had, if I could do my time again and I could go follow that path, maybe a physio would be one of them options. And, you know, when you talk to people and they're like, why are you still doing this job? Why don't you go and retrain and do something and all that kind of stuff? And you just think, well, I've got a house, I've got a mortgage, I've got a kid on the way. How can I give up my money to go off and start uni? That type of thing. But obviously it's not as difficult as it might seem. And we've got a mutual friend, Dan, who I think you're planning to have on here at some point. Yeah, he yeah. went into education. And he's the reason why I went to uni, because he said age doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I'm quite yeah. grateful that I knew, I know him, and I've seen him go to uni at such in his late 20s. Yeah. And we go, well, sod it, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Because if you know someone, you, I don't know, but if you don't, if you don't know someone, you're not you're ever going to give them an opportunity to chance. No, and it's not that clear on websites and things for unis and sort of how it all works out for you individually either. It's like, that's your course and that's kind of the amount and if you ain't got it, you can't go on the course, you know what I mean? So it's interesting that there is other ways and people, if really wanted, if they really wanted to do something, for them to look into it and make some phone calls and check it out properly because there might be an option. Yeah. So you said that... Um, you can you did sports therapy and then you're going to go back and do physio and you think maybe you should have done it the other way around? Yes, I do. So even though sports therapy is more MSK related, I wouldn't particularly know all the stuff I know now doing physiotherapy. And I've been quite open about that on Twitter. I'm meant to be having meetings with our governing body at some point because on Twitter, I'm always saying we don't get the good jobs even though we're trained to do this job because the HCPC don't recognise us as legitimate people because you can go on read and, and do a level three course in sports massage and sports therapy. Yeah. And it's not the same as going to university, but because you're still classed as a sports therapist, it's hard, it takes us down. Okay. You can't go on read and do, and do a read course in physiotherapy because no one will take that seriously. So it's was to get the HCPC registration, which the, the FA needs, do full-time to be the person to run on the pitch for United or Liverpool. You have to be HCPC registered. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm only able to work in non-league or as part of an academy. Okay. So that's where I am at the moment. I need that that physiotherapy degree, even though I'll be there going um, into uni again for another two or three years, depending on how I want to do it. Well, I wouldn't need to do that if you recognised us. Right, okay. So I would have done physiotherapy and then would have focused more on doing a lot of outside stuff in MSK. Okay. What's your, what's your sort of goal at the end of that? Well, you want to work? I would like to work in a first team somewhere. I hope. Football team? Yeah, I mean, I've not even been graduating yet. And the things I've done in the space of nine, ten months. Yeah. A lot of people won't do in the first three or four years. Yeah. And that's not me boasting, it's just that path is 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 open up easy for me with a little bit of luck. And it gives me a lot of imposter syndrome actually because I'm not <laughs> it's, it's it's opening up quite easy, but it will come to an end where it slows down. Okay. 
Um, I would like to be a first team therapist in the EFL, working abroad. Um, the idea was I'd like to go away from Spain and do it. That'd be nice. So we all. Mallorca or Las Palmas. <laughs> that would be nice, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely impossible, but that's the dream. Imagine the... Uh, would, you be, would you be there on training days? Where at? If you, if you were working at the club, are you around on training days? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I've been in crew a few times on the first team of train. I've been able to meet their first team physio, but we're not technically meant to be there at that time. We're there late on when the academy's there, so the parents bring the kids and then yeah. try to knock in, in a game for them. But yeah, I've, I've met the first team physio. I've told him what I want to do. I've to shadow him. It's just taking those opportunities and hopefully working out. Yeah. I was just going to say, imagine if you got that job over in Spain, then tra- training all week and you just stood out in the sunshine on a yeah. nice pitch and yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I want, and <laughs> I've got I've, my CV's pretty good already now. And whether it comes to that, because you got to remember, there's only one person in that spot. Yeah, and there's always as as down as, as down as it sounds, there's always someone better than you, and there's always someone in that spot. There's always a doctor applying for your job. There's always someone with an MSc applying for that job. Yeah. So it's, it's falling feet first on those jobs to really do it. And then never leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm definitely open to carrying on working abroad. You know, I've got sporadic bits. So um, I think I'm going to start looking around for another summer role. That little trip and, you did over yeah. to Sweden looked interesting. What were you doing there? Like, like, like a placement so, type thing? Yeah, it was kind of so... We were supposed to be going to Japan. Oh, right. He was at uni to do work experience over there during the Olympics. And we, we were exchanging with some Japanese students. But then obviously COVID happened. Yeah. And it was put on the back burner for, for another year, like the Olympics was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the person who was in charge of that left the university. So it kind of got forgotten about. It made me incredibly bitter, and, uh, and that sounds like a really <laughs> strong word, but Japan's somewhere I've always wanted to go, but it's not really a family holiday. Really, right, okay. If that makes sense. I don't, I can't picture my kids would travel 24 hours. No. To go somewhere. Um, so it was my, I feel like it was my one opportunity to go to Japan. Especially yeah. working over there, go to watch the Olympics. So, when it got all cancelled, it was really, it just kind of like, well, I made sweat the year before, COVID, and they got the chance to do it, so why are they taking it away from us? And um, this job came about in Sweden. So I put my name forward, explained what I was doing. I was working for a week at the time, and obviously the crew, a crew legend, Neil Baker's in charge of that. Yeah. So I put that on the thing. I said, I'm working for Neil Baker, I'm working with Pros. Okay. There's, um, couple of ex-academy lads there. So AD, who's the director of football at this club, got in touch with me, didn't even interview me, and goes, can you fly out? Right. I had a loudspeaker, and he goes, so when you're looking at it, in about a month, and he goes, no, in like four days. <laughs> I just looked at Jaden and just went, 
Is that possible? She goes, because of Japan, you've got to go for it. Okay, yeah. So, he goes, I need a decision now. And I just went, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And next thing you know, a few days later, I'm on thin air, flying out to Helsinki and getting, going over to Stockholm. Wow. I stayed working with professionals of all different countries and cultures. What was it like while you were there? What was the experience like? So there was, there was good times and bad times. So the, the village, you know, I'm guessing you've seen pictures of where I was staying. Yeah, I did, yeah. It was a pretty prison. Sweden's not the same as here. So I was being in crew with some of your listeners who you have a country don't know what crew is, what crew's like. Crew is half an hour, 45 minutes from anywhere. Yeah, you pretty much. Anywhere, on the train, on the bus, in the car. In Sweden, I was on coaches for 11 hours to one stadium, 11 hours back. Right. Our derby was two hours, 45 minutes away. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so that's what it was like. There's nowhere around. There's just one little supermarket in the village, and there's about 500 people that live there. Um, that's why all the players are on professional contracts, because there's no way they could go out and get a job. Right, okay, yeah. Um, and for the first part, it was good. They were winning games. Um, the lads were getting on well. Um, but there was definitely something there that wasn't right. Um, and it came to a point where they lost three games in a row and the lads wanted to push themselves out. Um, and it was just, it was getting worse and worse. English lads there were saying it was the coach. Lads, he was Italian, he brought Italian lads in. The Italian lads were taking too much control because they were his mate. Right. He was 35. Right. These lads were like, well, we can be his mate if we want to. Right. <laughs> and they all started going downhill. And I'd have directors on the phone saying, one director wanting to make it work, the other director saying he doesn't want to make it work. And it was basically me caught in the middle. So when it came to the point where they lost three or four games in a row, they didn't want to blame the coach, they blamed the person who was last in, which okay. was me. Okay. A physio who has no... Yeah, no involvement or yeah. input really into... What's no. happening on the pitch unless you need to be there for physio reasons? <laughs> and it was just, there were, there were some mentally weak players. And I've posted, I've mentioned this before on Twitter. Okay. And I shouldn't. And some Swedish journalist saw it. <laughs> wow. And asked players for comment. Because an Italian player who was forcing a move out, wanted to go back home, said I injured him by massaging him. Right. And it turned into a massive row on the training ground. Wow. So, and then it all started going a bit downhill from there. So, this is all, your um, podcast has a lot to do with mental health. So, there's a guy there who was externally emotional person. Mm. And um, he, uh, a couple of hours before the game, I asked him, and he said, look, mate, you don't look happy. If you ever feel like you want to talk or you always have a word with the director and see if we'll get you back out to Denmark for a bit, to clear your head, absolutely fine, I will, I'll back you up. Because it's my decision and they am physio, I'm in charge of their health. Um, and he made two mistakes that game. He turned around to me and he goes, 
grilling session and said it was my fault he made those mistakes they asked him to put him on right okay so it's stuff like that so i mentioned this and um publicly and i shouldn't have okay we all got show back to them and they were asking for comments from the players so then it was all my fault right and this and that's that's the fragile world of professional sports isn't it and you've got to think these players and these people you're dealing with nine times out of ten or eight times out of ten have not had regular they've not had the journey that you've had to that place yeah. to that club they've played in academies and clubs and they've been looked after and they've been told that they're great and they're the best all along and then when something isn't going right they're looking for an excuse they're looking for an out and you in your own way trying to help them and support them and yeah. offering them to be there for them and helping them they've seen it as an easy way to just blame you and excuse what what they've done wrong because they didn't perform it was basically a mentally weak showing of them losing games and they didn't want to play themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been quite open about this, but it's not something new on the podcast. So uh, it was just, there was lads there from Inter Milan and Marseille. And you're like, why are they here? Yeah. And after weeks, over weeks, you realise it's not their playing ability that's got them down to that level. And there's some nice lads there, the English lads, Josh, Dory, Zach. I mean, Zach plays for Rochdale, Dory at Portsmouth, and uh, Josh is a Plymouth. Yeah. The Cornish lad, he's, he was, um, yeah, good lad. We had a good chat about stuff, things like that. Yeah. And the directors yeah. managed to give me the chance to go over there because I wouldn't have had the opportunities now if I didn't call my CV and cover note. I've been in Sweden away from a pro, so I don't think I'd get the opportunity to do what I've done. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like with... I mean, there's stuff like with um, Goodwillie and Greenwood at the moment. You, just, you, you deserve that chance to play at that level. I know it's different spectrums of what they've done. They're, they're bad people. These guys are Sweden aren't bad people, but you, you, just, you earn the right to do those jobs. Yeah, in terms of coming up through academies, growing up in football, maybe not getting the opportunities at some of them big clubs like you've just mentioned because because who gets the opportunities at them clubs it's usually big names for big money or some exceptional talent that comes through the academy and so the rest of them get shipped out to here there and everywhere whoever wants to take them whoever's going to will, willing to give them a chance and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't some players turn up and think i've been i, I came up in inter milan's academy for example and now i'm at this team, I'm, I'm better than this league. I'm better than this. You know what I mean? And that mountain, mentally, they're not preparing themselves to work hard enough to to prove that their talent is good enough, because they already think that they've won and they're, that they're doing well. And it's as an outsider, and you've got more of an insight as than I have, as an outsider and a fan of football, I see that with players, and I see that with teams loaning out all these kids everywhere. And some of them work, some of them don't. But I mean. Obviously, with with being involved in it, and I know obviously you you can't always say everything you want to because it might affect future yeah. opportunities. But um, it's not a surprise. I've always been quite open about Sweden, and I've not used, I won't use any names. Yeah, only on good terms. Like I've offered to go back out there because they've got um, someone from the village, and from what I gather, I don't know if it's true or not, but they're not 
fully qualified to do the full physio work. So I've yeah. to go out there for a couple of weeks and train that person. So I've got a good relationship. I'm happy to help that club as much as I can. The guy who owns it late, he's a nice guy, and his son's race as well. I just feel like they had a bad run from having a bad batch of players who didn't feel like they didn't act like they earned the rights to be in such a job like they're not in their home countries doing ordinary jobs. They're, they're traveling the world, traveling Europe, playing football, and they didn't act like yeah. it was a, a gift. They acted like it was a right. Yeah, that's fair. Apart from the English lads, the English lads and some of the famous lads were really nice guys. And I really hope for the best for all of them. Yeah. Have you... Uh ever considered even in the slightest that you might step over that line and try and do some coaching qualifications or badges and I've stuff? Tried. I've got I've got my level one. Have you? Um yeah. I felt like it would help me get better jobs because having that coaching role. Yeah. Being able to do um so a lot of our stuff returns to play. So when they get to the point where their ligaments or muscles or bones are strong enough we'll we'll get them on the pitch and they'll do um return to play stuff. So they'll do T tests, they'll do um, even if it's just dribbling around cones of the ball or just dribbling around the pitch, doing hits, having that and going, having coaching points back like that helps with my job. Yeah. So I have tried to coach. I helped the English lads because basically they turned around and said, we're not having another manager because the season's pretty much gone. So we're going to ask the captain and the assistant manager to take up that role. So there were times when I stepped up and, and did a few coaching things, but it just, yeah, it's it's not really for me. I don't think I could really be a full-on coach. I've tried it with kids, I've tried it with adults. It's just not for me. Do you know why that is? I'll have a bad time. Um, I'm going good at explaining things in my head that doesn't come out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I've already told you that now. I'm not, I'm not told them that. Okay. I've been way too green and like they don't know what they're doing. And it's and it's that and it's you need people to explain a lot more. And that's my weakness to that. I feel like if I if I was best at getting stuff out of my mouth, yeah. Then I'd probably be a better coach, but it's also really hard and it's, it's, I'm not saying physio is not hard, but yeah, I bet. I bet it's, 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 yeah, it's yeah, it's not it a giving job as well. Yeah, that's the that's it as well, isn't it? It's um, I've always I've always wanted because I know like one of the lads we went to school with did did some coaching and that when he left school and and things like that and yeah, I don't know whether he did anything with it afterwards because you start to lose touch with people a couple of years after school, don't you? But it's always something I'd, I'd sort of thought I'd quite like a go at that, but then. It's that whole being front and centre and you're supposed to be the one that kind of, I know I say that being a podcast host, but you're supposed to be the one that's got all the answers and that knows everything and you've got to teach people and show people and you've got to kind of, it's it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot. Like I like the one-to-one aspect of working with someone. So a crew, it's all one-to-one based. And then someone comes in, you show some exercises, you're working and working with the form. And then you're writing the plans out and you're doing journals and trying to find the best way to do things. And I prefer that yeah. as opposed to having a group of kids. And then if we're not taking the, the drill well, you have to 
tase it on top of your head and I don't think I could do that. Yeah. And I've yeah. done the badges, I've done the role play, I've done coaching before, tried it with kids, tried it with adults, and it's just it's just too much. And you have to be a certain mentality to do it. Yeah. I don't think I have. I will probably give it a go again if the second child decides he wants to play. Okay. Because that's different. But as opposed to doing it voluntarily, uh, it's not for me. I did warm ups and stuff now for the teams, but and I've got that down. I've written a really good warm up plan, and that's fine. I coach that, but anything else, that's not for me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a um, it's a fascinating um, sector to work in and, and job role, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's just an yeah. interesting, just an interesting subject, and and seeing you off on your travels and stuff is uh, interesting to see as well where you end up and where you go. Yeah, I've I've put out a few um, things from the other Nordic countries, there's, there's Norway and Finland, and I'd like to go there. Um, Eastern Europe at the moment, I don't think I want to go there and do it because they're, they're summer leagues as well. Yeah, um, I don't think I'd like to do that at this time, <laughs> but. No, it might not um, be as it might not be as fun if you got stuck over there caught in the middle of something, would it? <laughs> yeah, no. So um I'm putting I, I think I'm gonna have a look and see if I get some summer stuff where I can take the kids but for three months it's it's a lot. Would the whole family go over with you then? All all four of you. Well that's what I'm looking at. Like if if I went back to Sweden for a little bit to train, it'd only be for a couple of weeks when I take them. Yeah, that'd be a bit different, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I was there for ninety days. The yeah. wreck that it's been like, I can't be there long. So they're basically getting, I'm flying out, someone's flying in. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much how they did it because the directors are English. So they, they preferred having English flights. But this year they go for the Swedish, which I think was a better idea. Right. But yeah, pretty much. Just, <laughs> I'll take the kids with me and take them into the room and they get to see some of the world, hopefully. Well, that's a nice thing as well for them as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's been good chatting. Yeah, you see, mate. Good. Yeah. yeah, get yourself back down there. Why not? Give Aaron a text. Oh, well, I'll, I'll set it up again. I set up um, an hour after you guys. So there was times when I would play for both of you. So I'd oh, yeah. play for you guys. And, then, and I'd play um, again after after you guys had left that pitch. I'd just stand on that pitch waiting for them to come on. Yeah. Yeah, good, mate. Oh, right, mate. Cheers. See you later. Cheers. Bye.